A reading from the Gospel according to Mark, the ninth chapter, beginning with the thirtieth verse. Mark is referring to Jesus and his disciples when he says, They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent. For on the way they had argued which with one another, who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I have here a piece of string with a piece of tape on it. Can you all see that? Nod. Yes. Yes, crazy pastor, we see your string. You can't see the tape because it's magic disappearing tape. When you put it on a package, it goes away. I have also... It has Kerr on it, but most people would call that a mason jar or a ball jar, right? I don't know where this Kerr company is. Well, it says mason at the bottom, but I don't know. But that's what we would call it. has a shiny lid. Everybody see that? Yes, crazy pastor, we see it. Yes. Yeah, I want to tell you a little, a little story. Um, there's this TV show that I really like because I'd like to be like them people. It's called Mountain Men. Y'all, y'all seen that show? These people live in places like Yak Mountain, Yak Valley or something like that. Wouldn't you like to live, Revelation Mountains, wouldn't you like to live out in the woods all by yourself like that? I would like to, but the reason I don't is because I'm too soft to do it. You know what I mean? I have been spoiled by modern life. I, I could be one of them people that lived on the land, but I'm just, you know, old and weak and stuck in reading glasses, and I'd just starve to death probably judging by my first week of hunting season. But there's this guy on that show, his name is Kyle. And Kyle is, man, he's tough. I'm just telling you, this guy is tough. He is out, he's lived the whole winter on this little piece of property that he's planning on moving 15 head of cattle to. His father is going to give him 15 head of cattle and he's going to move into that piece of property and he's lived there the whole winter out in the middle of nowhere. And all I could think is, where did he take a bath? Because I have to take a bath. But I want to be like Kyle. And Kyle is kind of an amazing guy. He found that he had a coyote problem. So he started setting traps and catching coyotes. And then he found a really big bobcat print by his watering hole. And he said, I'll have to deal with that because he could kill my calves this spring. So he decided he needed to catch the bobcat. And he announced that he was going to catch the bobcat with bar grease. 
Now, any of you who've ever seen a chainsaw operate, how many of y'all know what a chainsaw is? Just show hands. You have to oil a chainsaw. It has a bar on it, right? And the chain goes around the bar. And you put oil in there so that the, the chain will run smoothly on the bar and not bind up and not get friction on it. And I said, man, he's going to catch a bobcat with bar grease. That's amazing. I want to see that. So I fast forward because I don't watch commercials. I, we, I video that thing and fast forward. And I fast forward and he gets out a jar with this white stuff in it. And I said, that doesn't look like bar chain oil. And I realized that Kyle was saying bear grease. <laughs> bar grease, right? He's like southerners who thought that the shepherds were coming from afar. They're coming from a fire. You know, we thought they was all having a bonfire when we first heard that when we were kids. Don't lie, y'all thought it too. That's what I thought. The wise men were coming from a fire somewhere. It's just the truth. You laugh at yourselves, you want to, bless his heart. Y'all say that too. So Kyle gets out his jar of, of, of bar grease, of bear grease, and he pulls the lid off of it. And I said, this is going to get good. And I, I, I can't wait to figure out how you catch a bobcat with bear grease. Well, he, he, then he sets the bear grease down. He takes the lid out of it. And he gets out this knife that looks like you could paddle a boat with it. You know what I mean? That's another reason I can't be a mountain man. All my knives are little. This thing is that long. He could paddle a boat with that thing. And I'm not going to poke a hole in this jar because I don't really know who it belongs to, but it's in our cabinet, so I don't want to poke a hole in that lid because people, you know, people hoard these lids. If some of y'all can, and y'all know what I'm talking about. And he poked a hole in it and tied a string on it. And he said, I'm going to catch that bobcat with that. And I said, wow. And he spun it, and he said, you see how the sun reflects it? Y'all see that? See how it's flashing right there? And you know what his catchphrase was? Let's hope curiosity killed the cat. He hung that over a trap. And then he covered the trap up so the cat couldn't see it. And the thought was that thing would blow in the wind and shine. That it would catch the cat's attention. And the big giant bobcat that could eat anything else in the woods that threatened it is going to be done in by that. A spinning cap. And you know what I thought? That cat's a lot like people. <laughs> Don't people get caught up in shiny things? Don't we? You know what our biggest downfall is? Status and stuff. You think that's true? Status and stuff. Man, we will put ourselves in hock in a minute for pretty stuff, won't we? We forget to pay attention to what matters in life. And we get caught up by shiny stuff. Like that. Now, Jesus' disciples were being threatened with getting caught up by shiny stuff. They just heard him say that he was going to suffer, be killed, be raised, but they didn't, they didn't want to hear that. They didn't want to ask what it meant because it didn't jive with their thought about what it means to be Messiah. For them, what it means to be Messiah is to march into Jerusalem and drive the Romans out and give the people of Israel their land back. So they don't want to hear that. But they've decided that they should have a good argument and go ahead and figure out which one of them is going to be Jesus' right-hand man when he's sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. So they start arguing about which one is the greatest. You ever seen kids on a playground argue about who's the greatest? It seems like it's natural to us. We get caught up by shiny stuff. The shininess and the wonder of being number one. Being number one. 
Whatever it costs, whatever it takes, we want to be the greatest. We want to be the greatest. How many of you have seen an archery target? What color is the center ring usually, the center circle? Gold or yellow, right? Because it attracts the eye. It causes the eye to focus on the point you want to hit. And like I told the children, we're encouraged by the Bible to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Why? Because we're attracted to this stuff. And there's a trap underneath it for us. To catch us and do us in by our desire for shiny stuff and to be number one. And we all desire that in some way. I, I love it when people tell me how great I am. Don't y'all, don't y'all love telling me how great I am? I love it when people tell me how great I am. But you know what? That's a trap of the devil for a preacher. Because it causes preacher to only preach things that he knows their people want to hear. Or she wants. Or she to preach things. Because we can get caught up in that too. That shiny reflection. And that's what they were caught up in. Jesus did something to shift that. To show them what it means to be great. And it set the world on edge. It changed how the world sees children. In fact, it caused one person to write a blog in the last few weeks that says that Christianity invented childhood. Wrestle with that for a second. Before Christianity, children were possessions. Before Christianity began speaking to the world of loving the least, children were the least. That archery target, let's go back to that. You have one ring with one color in the middle of it. That's the place you should go. That's the high status mark. When you're in the middle, you're number one. In Roman and Greek society, they believed that too. That the greatest person there was was a free-born adult male. Especially a free-born adult male who was in the ruling class. They were number one. They were perfection. They were everything every other person should attain to be. And as you go out in rings, you filled in other people. And down toward the end, you got to women and children and slaves. And children were held in just as high esteem as a slave that you could do whatever you wanted to to them. In Roman society, they regularly castrated children to keep them as sex slaves. It's horrible, isn't it? That's the high level that children occupied in that world. They could be put away just because the parent didn't want to have to keep them. Parents didn't parent their children. Other people parented. Their slaves parented them. If they were royal children or high-bred children, they might get sent somewhere else to school or something to learn. But inevitably, their only value was in how they could serve the parent. And do you know how Jesus changed that? By showing His disciples how to be great in the kingdom of God. I assume He went out of the house He was in and found a child in the street. I don't know. Maybe there was a child in the house. But Jesus took that child who everyone viewed as property, who everyone viewed as all the way out at the end of the rings of importance, and He took that child and He held it in His arms. The Lord of the universe. The King of kings. Drew a little child to his breast. And he said, if you want to be the greatest, 
Love this child. There's a trap for us. It's a shiny ring. Tell us if we want to be the greatest to achieve status and stuff. But our Lord, our King says to us today, if you want to be the greatest, love those who are least. Status and stuff will lead us to death and pain and hurt and disappointment. But loving people that the world won't love leads us into the arms of the Savior. Seems to me there's a pretty clear choice before us. To love those who are least. To love those who other people bully. My young people here today, children, when you see somebody bullying somebody, stand with them. Go and love them. Put your arms around them and say, I care for you. Adults, when you see someone being bullied, do the same. Our Lord taught His disciples that the thing we're seeking after was loving others and loving God. And when we take those little ones that the world turns its back on into our arms, we fulfill His call for us. And we are great. Be people of peace. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ. And remember that in that moment when His disciples was trying to figure out which of them was going to be number one, He picked up a child and said, the greatest among you will be the one that loves this person no one else loves. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.